Brought to you by BedroomBattlefields.com, this is the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. So, armed with a beer, Ed, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing this evening? I'm very well, thank you, Matthew. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you're a man after my own heart. As as we got on the call there, and there's a video that we could see each other. I don't record it, but just a big tin of beer getting poured into a glass. That's what I like <laughs> to see. So, um, you 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 like a beer and a wine. I mean, I don't I don't wish to introduce you to the listener as some sort of alcoholic, no, no. but it's that's it, okay. My my job is beer and wine. Yeah, uh, I work for a, I work for a wine merchant, so um, I, I enjoy a glass or something. Um, it tends to just be one or two when I have it. Uh, but yeah, when I was younger, I used to used to enjoy it a bit too much, maybe. But these days, I tend to go for uh, a bit more quality over quantity, uh, which is, I guess, a, a bit like how I like my gaming. Um, what do you think of like? Um, I, I I don't wish to be this to be our overall mm-hmm. topic of discussion this evening, but like alcohol in the hobby like I, I i do hear people some folks they like to paint with a beer or a wine do you do, I've, it's not something i've really done and i wouldn't i don't know if i trust myself to like i'm bad i'm a bad enough painter sort of thing mm. is it something you, I, do you enjoy a wee tipple I, it's not something i t- typically i've got a cup of tea next to me when i'm painting and modeling mm. um i think i think maybe having one would be fine um, I probably probably have had one in the past and probably would have one, but I don't think I'd go beyond one because, as you say, like there's a certain level of coordination required, and um, getting the wrong side of forty, my you know eyesight and bits and pieces, it's it's yeah, I mean, it's not terrible, it's not bad, but like you know, after a long day, it's tired, and you have a couple of beers, yeah, I think my coordination perhaps would not produce the uh, the results I'm after. But, um, you know, it's certainly, I think that the, the time and place for a couple of beers is when you're around the table with some good friends. Um, and I've got a couple of friends who we meet once or twice a month uh, and we play uh, actually a lot of uh, Space Widows and a little bit of Sword Widows. Um, usually uh, a three-way battle and there's always uh, a bottle or uh, a few cans of something opened to share between us, you know, um, it's not not a heavy drinking session, but you know, just a couple of beers each and roll some roll some rocks and see what comes out of it all and have have a good crack. I do remember, like back when I was kind of dabbling, we're, we're coming back in the hobby. I mean, this is going back to you know six or seven years ago, possibly more. Hmm. But um, I, I'd I'd got Descent. I don't know if you've heard the Descent. It's like a dungeon crawling mm-hmm. miniature board game. And I'd just been like sort of googling like uh, hero quest, modern day hero quest alternatives. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I hadn't come back at that time, so I ended up with this this game. And it was like Friday night. This is before we had the kid, and uh, so my wife got in on the Friday night, and I'd had a couple of beers already. And I'm saying, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give this a bash tonight. And by the time I'd got it set up, and I, I started flicking through the rules, and you know, when you you do start to like, now I'm used to. I mean, I'm still not very great at quickly interpreting rules, but mm. your brain starts to adjust it and you start to pick yeah. out wee bits and pieces. But at this time, I'm going in totally cold, six or seven beers down. I end up on YouTube. I've got YouTube sitting there. <laughs> you know when you Google a board game rule, it's always the guy. What's his name now? Is it... It's not Ron. 
it's like it's always this same guy. He's really good. Right. Suddenly he's I'm talking not, me not through it. Not a big board gamer, but yeah. So he's he's talking me through it, and I'm sitting there with a beer, and I think you end up looking at the clock. It's like ten o'clock, and I said, to her, "Look, we're not going to get started with this now." So put it away and I think that happened like on consecutive Fridays for about a month and then I just <laughs> never never played it so there's a lesson in there somewhere but um yeah yeah I think I think there's a level where you know a few helps facilitate the fun a few too many can send the fun off the rails um and uh yeah I think there's definitely definitely a balance to be had um and I'd like to think uh I, I'm fairly good at finding that balance these days um as i say perhaps when i was younger i wasn't quite so good but um you know the, the things we learn in our uh, misspent youth eh? I, I don't mean sorry I, I didn't mean to bring you on as some sort of like let's talk about alcohol just because that's your job hey, when you're drinking a beer but it's it's fine like um you know we mentioned when we were just about to get started that we had to we had to reschedule a couple of times and one of those times was because i had to go and run a whiskey tasting um so yeah i mean it's it's something that i do have a passion for i do love but um it's a, a passion in moderation um rather than uh, a little bit too much over exuberation so you you did mention a couple of games there when you were talking about yeah. playing so space weirdos that seems to be something you're right interested in at the moment then how oh, did I, you I, I love that. That's actually the game that got me back, that pulled me back into miniatures. Um, so uh, a couple of years ago now, I um, I was GMing. I was running games for uh, a couple of different groups of friends. Um, a lot of sort of OSR, that's old school uh, renaissance, old school revolution games. Um, uh, things like uh, Into the Odds, uh, Mouse Ritter, can um and i got to a point where i had a little bit of burnout and um i wanted someone else to run a game and no one else in my groups was prepared to run games i was like okay well i need to take a break uh for for my 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 mental health my space um so i'm gonna step away from this i want but i want something else to do um and to think about and to play with when I was a kid, I used to love playing with those little toys, those, those little models. And, um, yeah, I came across Space Weirdos on um, Wargame Vault. Uh, and um, it, it was a little £5 game, not even £5, $5 game. I was like, well, that looks interesting. I, I could just, like, grab a handful of miniatures from somewhere. I could give, give miniature gaming a go. I, don't, I know I don't want to get back into uh, big Warhammer, uh, full-on Warhammer, because I just it's, it's not something that interests me. I've heard a lot of things about Games Workshop, which uh, I didn't like. Um, I had some issues with it when I left the gaming scene uh, as, when I was younger anyway, but... Um, you know, those those thing, those uh, issues seems to have been exacerbated over time. So it offered an opportunity to play a game that was very kind of low maintenance, very cheap to get into. Um, and yeah, I kind of loved it and was like, right, okay, uh, let's let's try and play some other things. Um, so I started looking around for some other games to play as well. But Space Weirdos were 
still be my uh, my go-to. Um, yeah, love that game. So before we get into the, the old origin story, I mean, because mm. we're, we're on this subject, are you picking the game up? Uh, so so you bought that and you already, I take it, you know, you have folk that you were playing like RPG games with anyway. Yeah. So it was, was it pretty, it was a low barrier, I take it then, to, to get this on the table? Yeah, pretty low. Um, I just, I went to, um, uh, oh, well, I, ha- I had some models, but they were all in my parents' loft. And um, I live south of London, they live north of London. And I was like, right, well, I want to get this on the table as soon as possible. So I went to Troll Trader and I bought a couple of uh, a couple of units off a of Troll Trader. I bought some Space Wolves and some Dark Eldar because I was like, yeah, they're cool. I remember I remember liking Space Wolves when I was younger. Dark Eldar came in just as I was leaving, so I never got a chance to really play with them. I was like, yeah, that, that that's fun. Um, and then um, I, I made some scenery, some made some homemade scenery, and then just got a couple of mates to come over, and we just started giving it a go. And um, it, because it's played with RPG dice, I had all the dice I needed. <laughs> I'm a bit of a, a dice goblin, so I have a lot of dice. Um, so yeah, it was um, as I say, it was it was low barrier of entry, um, and just really fast and easy to play, and a lot of fun. Um, and and had a system a dice the dice system just it, it feels very elegant the way it works um, both the maths behind it and the way it works when you shift up and down dice types depending on the situation you're in um, it felt very intuitive and it means that you know every now and then we'll we'll reference something be like oh well, just double check that rule but very rarely, but maybe once or twice in a game, and it's because it's like sixteen pages of A five. It takes two seconds to find the rule, um, and uh, yeah, I like that for my RPG games as well as my tabletop war games. Like, I, I want to if I need a rule, I need to find it fast, or we need to make a ruling and move on. Um, and having these big tomes just, I just don't have time for it. It just doesn't interest me. Um, I, I love that people do and people get really into it and but I want to play lots of different games and so you know being too complex is is a is a barrier for me um, so yeah in previous episodes um, mm. I've spoke about you know playing different games and there's there's a few rule sets that I like that are you mm. know sci-fi games but um, I've come around now to, you know, I've got that sci-fi skirmish game book. It's actually sitting there in front of me because I'm planning another game out of there. So are you, um, I, I mean, it, it was potentially you that, that introduced me to this, actually. So I was just going to ask, and the answer is obviously <laughs> yes. You know, as great as the rules sound, mm. you want to be doing something, don't you? So are you, yeah. are you cherry-picking scenarios from that book then? Yeah, I love that book. That book's amazing. So that... Um... I mean, I'm, I'm in the disc, your Discord uh, community, which is a lovely community. Words, um, so everyone's so friendly and welcoming there. Uh, but the other community that I, I tend to be quite involved in is the Space Widows community, uh, which is the Widows Discord. And that book, I I bought it on a whim, and um, my wife works for Waterstone, so I get half price books, which is great. So I just seen it, I was like, oh, Rosie, can you just pick this up for me? So it was a great value for me. And um, I just started reading it. I was like, wow, this is this is great. This this just offers 
so much more for this really light game. Suddenly, I can build on this, and we can make you know make scenarios go on from each other and evolve and 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 and, and get really really creative. And so I introduced it to the community there, and it's become a bit of a, a legend of a of a book in that community. Um, and um, I can't remember whether I mentioned it in in your Discord or whether someone else mentioned it, and then I immediately chimed in and went, "Oh, that's yeah, that's an yeah. amazing book." Um, but yeah, it's if if you anyone plays um, skirmish gaming, uh, particularly sci-fi skirmish gaming, it's a John Lamb's head. Um, sci-fi scenarios, skirmish scenarios. It's 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 a must. It's a must buy. It's honestly, I think it's about twelve or fourteen quid or so. Mm. So I've got it half price, and it. it's some of the it's one of my most used gaming books. Yeah, uh, really. Yeah, really I've just I've I've got set up here for a, a game, and hopefully in mm. the next week, we're doing the strut your stuff scenario. Don't mm. know if you've played that one. So there's an objective in the middle of the table mm. and it's quite open ground and there's a lot of built-up terrain on the outskirts and the idea is that you've got to get somebody onto this objective, which is easy, but you've got to keep them alive because they're very vulnerable at that point. Yeah. And one thing, yeah. I, I, I don't know if John came up with this or if he's borrowed it from somewhere else, but it's such a great... You know, I've never seen it before. I'm very inexperienced anyway, but the, the mm. way the game finishes... And this is obviously to stop you just tactically keeping someone in the wing and making a last minute, you know, because, you know, turn six or whatever's coming up. So you yeah. can just get somebody there. So he's got this. I'm going to butcher it because I'm, I've not got the book open. But basically when you're on, I think it's the second last turn, mm -hmm. it's something along the lines of, okay, roll a dice. If you roll, a, say, a one or two, the game ends immediately on turn yeah. five. Uh, if you roll a two and three, you know, you've got one more turn, a, th a three and four, you've got two more turns, etc., etc. So it's it's this, like, nobody really knows when the game's going to end. So that we things like that are just brilliant wee ideas. Yeah, that's added. I love that added uncertainty. I mean, actually, again, Space Widow says that built in. You play four turns, you roll a die. On a five or a six, the game ends. On four or under, you play a fifth turn. Mm -hmm. um, and it just means that, you know, even if you're playing the standard, you know, scenario game, where you've got to be on scenarios for the final turn. Uh, 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 um, uh, objectives, sorry, not scenarios. Uh, standard objective scenario. You've got to be on the objective at the end of the turn and end of the game. Well, you don't know when that's going to be. So do you do you hold back or do you push forwards? It's, yeah, it's that added uncertainty. And you, you, suddenly you're on it and then actually, no, there's another round to go and they are s sending their their troll over at you and <laughs> you've got your last guy. Are they going to stand up? And yeah, I, I love that. Um, anything which pushes decision-making at the table um, interests me. You know, that's um, those decisions create the narratives. Um, I know you're, you're very big on narrative gaming, um, a little bit hard on, on competitive gaming sometimes, which I find interesting, but um um, we well, we could we could certainly get into that. Uh, mm. I was just going to ask, whilst we're on the subject, uh, the the sci-fi skirmish scenarios mm. book, are there any scenarios off the top of your head that you remember that you you particularly enjoyed that you, you thought gave yeah, a really so good? There's one which um, we had a lot of fun with, and I'm I'm possibly going to run it again uh, next weekend. 
uh, with a, a guy who's new to the game, who uh, will be his first time playing, where you've got a bunch of gangers and you've got to try and blow up, um, I think it's an intersection. We played it a while ago, I need to reread it, but there's basically there's a fence that dissects the board and the gangers have got to try and blow up the fence so they can infiltrate through. And then you've got um, sort of security guys who are trying to stop them and to hold them back and and all of that. So we're, we're looking to, to maybe play that because uh, uh, my friend who I'm introducing it to has got... Um, He's got a uh, some Van Sars from Necromunda he wants to play with. Um, I was like, yeah, cool. Well, we, we can play Weirdo Munda. Um, I love that. Uh, so that that's one which uh, we we played before and had a lot of fun with. Um, oh god, I mean, there's there's a few of them. Um, with you put me on the spot like this, it's, it's <laughs> you'll open the book tonight and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, oh, well, I sit down and be like, oh god, which other ones did we like? Um, but yeah, I do remember the, um, the one you mentioned, the, where the strut your stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we were referring to it as the, the catwalk. Um, cause you just, soon as you step out there, everyone's snapping at you. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, you kind of like, everyone was, there, there were three of us playing the game at the time and it was this, um, this thing where we we're all trying to like have, have our model kind of make the biggest scene as he approached as they <laughs> approached um which kind of like yeah it's when you've got a scenario like that it does really it, it drives the narrative forwards uh, which is nice you know mm. um and and some of the uneven scenarios as well are really interesting um so we we played uh another thing that we we played not from that book but um uh i had a couple of friends over um, one person who I played a fair bit with one person who was brand new to the game um, and I GM'd a game where I had 150 points of demons who had infested this um, temple and they were both playing 75 point teams of Imperium who got come in to clear it out and um, that that kind of do they go? Do they work together? Do they work at, towards different, slightly different objectives that they, each other don't know about? Who's going to, you know, what what decisions are they making and why are they making them? It's yeah, as I say, it's forcing decisions at the tabletop. That's that's what I want to see. Um, and um, yeah, because as I said, when you force a decision at the tabletop, you you create the narrative. Um, if you're not asking questions, if questions don't get asked of you, um, and it, it's all pretty straightforward, and you go, yeah, okay, well, you've made that move, or the logical thing for me to do is this, well, that's, that doesn't really pose any questions, that doesn't create an interesting experience for me. Um, whereas if I put someone out there and now on the board, and you've then got to go, right, well, do I hit that person now, knowing they've already activated but they are a potential danger next turn? Or do I go for someone else who hasn't activated, who is not quite as exposed, but will reduce my options within that round? That, that yeah, I think that's, that's interesting. And that's, again, where you, where you, going back to this whole competitive versus narrative, 
Um, I'm not sure it's really a true dichotomy. I don't think you have one or the other. Um, I'm, I'm quite a competitive person. When I sit down at a table, I like to win. Um, it's not the be-all and end-all. I'm perfectly fine when I don't win. Um, and the narrative becomes part of the reason for playing more, or becomes more of the reason for playing, should we say, um, when that when that doesn't happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to sit down with someone necessarily and go, right, well, I know I can beat you. So what's the, what's the point? Like, if we're going to do something, if I know that, for example, I have a stronger team, then... I'll give the other person another advantage. You know, maybe, maybe they have an extra 15, 20 points to make make it unbalanced, but still competitive. You know, you can have unbalanced games that are competitive, I think, uh, depending on how you lay the terrain out and what objectives you put in front of the game. Um, and I, I, for, for me, I want both, both elements there. Um, but yeah, I know. I know that not everyone agrees with that. Uh, no, no. I I think you make a good point that they're not mutually exclusive. Um, I wonder if I wonder if one of the reasons that I I don't maybe consider myself overly competitive with tabletop gaming mm-hmm. is because I've not I've not got a lot of experience playing the same game a lot of times. Right. So, you know, do you, do you... Ro- well, Robert, who I play with, who's been on the podcast a lot the the game we've played the most together is rangers of shadow deep and we've been cooperating so we've had much less games where we played against each other and usually Mm -hmm. when we do it's the first or second time playing something Mm -hmm. so i wonder if it's just a hesitancy to to you know maybe because i know the rules slightly better because i own the book and i've read it a few times i could I could probably stomp on them a bit. So I wonder if there's a, you know, I, I bet if we were, I bet if we were getting together every week and doing something yeah. like, you know, a, a wee game of Brutal Quest, which is what I'm playing the now a lot, uh, or Space Weirdos or whatever, the, 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 compet- the competitive nature of it would ramp up, but in a good way. Mm. Like, um, yeah. you know, we, we'd, yeah. we'd both get better at the game, we'd both know it better, and we'd both definitely be wanting to win, but you know, mm. we draw the line at arguing over half an inch or that. Maybe we wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe we'd be boxing by <laughs> the end of it. But um. yeah. it's it's interesting you say that. Like I I definitely think knowing the game better um, does encourage more competitiveness uh, to a degree because you know you're you're both then able to do more things with the rules. Um, and you know you're right like when offering opportunities for things to get close um whenever things get close that's when i get more competitive when when things are obviously getting wider and wider apart i get less competitive it matters less to me but when things are close so uh my i said about my my couple of friends who i play quite regularly with um we played a uh, campaign uh, not that long ago it was a series of five games and over the five games, um, but I, I took the lead uh, in game two um, and held on to it in going into the final game. Um, and the uh, the way the points had worked out, it literally came down to the final activation in the final game to decide whether 
either I or my friend who had failed to win any games but had always stayed in or around um, won, won the overall campaign. And so, like, we were both desperate to win <laughs> this final game. Um, and, uh, but because it was, it was that close right the way to the end. Um, and, yeah, I played other games where, you know, we, we played Sword Widows uh, a few weeks back. And we're experimenting with the game at the moment. We haven't played too many games of it yet. And the other two were getting very competitive with each other because they were both right in it. But my guys got taken out quite early on and I was down to just a couple of guys and I couldn't get my stuff to work. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do at this point? Right, This is now all about my, my last guy who was an assassin trying to take out his target and get out of there. Could he get out? Could he kill them and, and get out alive? Um, he failed to kill them, but he did get out alive. So it was then all about his his escape, and that was the bit which which caught my imagination. So yeah, I think there's va- there's a lot of value in both sides. Um, that said, I'm not sure I'd ever be that interested in playing a lot of tournaments um, because I yeah I just I think maybe that would draw out too much competitiveness in me, and I don't I don't know. I have played. Gaslands, Gaslands in tournament, um, uh, which is a wonderful game. Um, probably the most fun I've ever had at a table is playing Gaslands. Um, but uh, yeah, most of the time I lose that, <laughs> that game because <laughs> it's all about Carnage, and I just you know, Carnage is is number one uh, for me when you play that because you, there's a rule which is literally the rule of Carnage, whatever the whatever the worst thing that could happen to everyone involved, particularly the, the person it's happening to, that's what happens. Um, which is a great goal to have at a table. If we go back then, like we're, we're mm. talking a wee bit about the games that, you know, you play these days after coming yeah. back into the hobby, but um, let's go back in time to your to your first encounter where, I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to be Games Workshop, I may be wrong, like what, yeah, what no, was the right, sort of origins right. there? So the first time I saw Games Watch, I remember I was, I would have been about eight or nine, I guess. And um, there were some, the older kids at school and they were in a classroom and there was this tape. My friend was like, you've got to come and see this. You've got to come and have a look at this game that the, the older kids are playing. So I went in and I looked at it and I was like, wow, there's all this scenery and models and like, I, I, don't, I can't remember how good the scenery was, right? It's probably all homemade, like, by by, by sort of 11, 12-year-olds. So it probably wasn't that great. Uh, the painting probably wasn't as amazing as I remember, but I remember it being just, like, mind-blowing. And, you know, yeah, I want to I want to play this. So um, that was the my first contact. And my cousin, my older cousin, was, was into it. Um, and so he used to show me bits and pieces as well. So that was kind of, like, how I... I came into it and it was very much 40k, second edition 40k uh, in the early 90s um, with a big, big box um, painting up all my space marines. My brother got the orcs. I was ultramarines. Um, and yeah, that was, that was that was how I came into it. Played, um, we, we had a few of the um, ancillary games. Um, 
So Blood Bowl, uh, which I loved. Blood Bowl was a great game. We never painted the miniatures. In fact, I actually just last year painted up all my Blood Bowl miniatures, all the, the two Blood Bowl teams for it, a special character for each, um, with the intention of giving it to my nephew. But I think he needs another, <clears throat> he's, he's eight, I think another year or two maybe before I give him that. Um, so, but yeah, so they're finally painted. So I need to get that on a table uh, and play that at some point. Um, Space Hulk, which is still one of the best games I've ever played. Love that game. I, I'm so good. I can't find it. It's somewhere at my mum and dad's. Lord knows where. Um, and then I uh, picked up Necromunda and um, fell in love with Skirmish Gaming. That was the first Skirmish game I played. One of probably one of the early proper sort of skirmish games coming out. I mean, I, I know um, uh, first edition was very much that kind of like handful of models, but you know, that as a as as we think of skirmish games these days, it's probably like the the precursor. Um, and I fell in love with that game. I played so much of it, a lot of it solo because I lived in the middle. I, I come from farming family living in the middle of nowhere trying to find people to play games with was difficult at times um and got into my mid-teens and a lot of my friends stopped playing i still wanted to play but you know where was i going to go and play so i, I played solo um and played campaigns solo uh and then eventually kind of went well if i'm not going to play with what's what's kind of what's the point um and girls became more interesting. The same story as everyone, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, and I, I remember that Necromunda was my my last game that I really played. I kind of fell out of 40k with third edition. Um, just got <clears throat> I was there was a couple of things that annoyed me uh, coming towards the end of second edition and the shift over to third. Um, uh, one thing was I remember being really upset that I couldn't have squats uh, and that they got discontinued because I really wanted a squat army. Um, so I ended up collecting Chaos instead, uh, which was which was great. And I, I still love the, the Chaos um, models. They look, they look brilliant. Um, and that they're fun, you know, uh, just that idea of carnage and mayhem. And um, yeah, Chaos has become a lot more defined now uh, than it than it was back when I was first playing, but um, Nurgle and Corn uh, were the the two gods that my army were devoted to. Um, they seemed to work fairly well together. Um, but then when third edition came along, I found out that you couldn't throw grenades anymore. That really annoyed me. <laughs> A sort of fourteen, fifteen year old Ed was like, "What? Why?" I have to put my grenade on a vehicle. What's the, what's the point of that? Sorry, that's where I try not to. Uh, what, what's the point of that? that? That's weird. Like I understand, like putting a bomb on and like moving away. That sounds cool, but suddenly I can't. Wait, my templates are all gone. No templates. No, no this is, this isn't for me. Um, weirdly enough, though, I think it's probably the edition third edition is probably the one. If I ever played forty k again, is the one I'd want to go back and have a look at because it's so rules light. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my journey as a, as a kid. And then as I say, sort of 15, 16, I, I kind of moved away from it. Um, felt it was getting quite expensive, which <laughs> you look at the prices 
compared to now. Like it's it's quite funny, but um, yeah. Do you remember your first white dwarf or anything like that? Uh, my first white dwarf. I couldn't. I've got a pile of them upstairs. I know I've got some of the sort of 150 onwards. Um, I probably have some earlier ones, or certainly read earlier ones. Um, I probably came into the game in sort of 92, 93. Um, And as I say, like, Game to Virtual puts a long way from where I lived. I lived uh, just outside of a place called Ellsbury, um, which was not the nicest town in the world. Uh, still isn't. But um, the nearest Games Workshop to me when I first got into the game was in Oxford, which was 45 minute, 40, 45 minute drive away. So being a, a 10 year old, you, you, you're not going there unless your mum and dad take you. And your mum and dad aren't going to take you there on a regular basis. I used to go two or three times a year. Um, and then. Um, eventually one opened in Milton Keynes, which was a bit closer. That was about 20 minutes drive away. And so, um, yeah, I, di- I didn't get as much access to stuff as I, perhaps I would have liked. Um, but uh, the, the editions that I did have, I kind of read and reread and reread. And I saw these, you know, the names of like Gabthorpe and, um, and people like that. And they were just my heroes. They looked so cool with their long hair. And their sort of heavy metal T-shirts and stuff like that. Um, Do you remember your first uh, trip to the Games Workshop store then? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I do. So we went to Oxford, and I wanted a box of models, um, and um, I got a was it a Devastator Squad or was it a Tactical Squad? I think it. I think it would have been a tactical squad. I got the Devastator squad later on, but some tactical, a tactical squad of Marines, um, and they were they were my my first models that I I bought, Mum Dad bought me. Um, but actually, just thinking about this, my very first entry into to tabletop gaming, which was probably more um, kitchen floor gaming, was um, Warmaster. Uh, not Warmaster, um, the uh, Battlemaster, that's the one, which um, I think you've mentioned in the past is, is was one of your gateway games as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. The Ogre is... and the Castle. The, I say the Castle, the Tower. <laughs> the Tower's brilliant. I still got the Tower. Yeah. And the Cannon, where you could bounce the Cannonball through the, the, the other guy's units, yeah. but you didn't know whether your Cannon would, ball would reach them or not. And again, that uncertainty was just brilliant. Yeah, that, the mat, the mat was brilliant. The hex on oh, it was yeah. a kind of, I don't know, PVC type mat and the river. Mm. Just great game, great box set, um, everything you need. Like it, I remember opening that at Christmas and like, like I died and gone to heaven, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just it was so exciting. You know, mm. it was that suddenly I've got an army. I've got two yeah, armies. Two, armies. Got two big armies. <laughs> and I've and got they're going to go against each other. <laughs> yeah. It was just, oh, it was the best. Aye. So you had Battle Masters then. So um, yeah, was yeah. that like your first? Your yeah, first that was, that was, game? Yeah. that was my first box game. 
Um, so that would have been, I would have been, that would have been probably about nine. That mm. would probably, I probably came home from school and told my parents, this is the game that I saw, this is what I want. And then that Christmas, that's yeah. what I got. I um, very so. And then it would have been another another year or two before I got uh, second edition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So when you were when you were kind of you know on your way out of the hobby for a period, mm. you were you were sort of playing Necromunda and that. So um, mm. when you put everything away, or when you when you came back, like how much have you recovered from that period? And I, I know you've said that Space Hulk's still missing. So what's the what's the state of play? So it's about half the stuff I can't find. Um, I think it's somewhere at my mum and dad's. Um, assuming it has not been thrown out by accident or whatever, um, it probably still is somewhere in their loft. Um, but yeah, like I said, I said I had a chaos army or well, most of that army. Don't know where that is. Can't find that. I think it's all these terminators and devastators and um, and a dreadnought and all sorts of really really cool stuff which I cannot find. A lot of the orcs I can't find. Found all the Gretchen, all the plastic Gretchen. Got all of those. Um, so great fun <laughs> painting them. Yeah, they're, they're still brilliant. There's so much character to them. Um, yeah, they're just fun. I know they're monopose and they all look the same, but they're just, uh, I just like them. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, I can't find that. So I can't find the Space Hole. can't find the most of my Chaos Army. Um, uh, there's some orcs that are missing, some Imperial Guard that are missing. Um, so it's about half, I say maybe up to half the collection uh, that I can't find. But the other half is is great, you know, and I've been playing around with it and painting bits up and then going, oh, look at the new shinies and <laughs> getting distracted by something else. Um, so I've got loads more miniatures to need to revamp and refurbish. Uh, from when I was younger, um, but also a whole bunch of new stuff, which I probably didn't need, but oh my God, it's so pretty. I wonder about that. Like there's a, there's a maybe five to 10% mm. chance that up my mum and dad's attic is mm-hmm. my copy of 40k second edition. I think it was and Epic mm. Space Marine. Blood Bowl, I had that. Um, mm. You know, so say say a five to ten percent chance that those boxes yeah. are there, and there'll be a decent amount of miniatures in all of them. And of course, mm. like it would be brilliant to get them, but it it would it would partly be slightly stressful because I'd just have like all these old miniatures that I would want to <laughs> then I would want to just like flock to them and uh, mm. you know start working on them. Uh, so that, that it yeah. wouldn't come without its cost. Like it would be brilliant yeah. to have them, but it would it would totally throw me because I'd be like, oh look at this! Like there'd be stuff that I'd totally forgotten about, and suddenly yeah, the paint strippers out. Oh uh, yeah, but I so I started with that. I started stripping some milk models, and then I stopped myself because I was like, actually, some of these are my history of gaming. You know, some like. Some of them I'm going to still strip, don't get me wrong, because they're lovely models and I did a rubbish job when I was 12. But some of them, some of them weren't that badly painted or, you know, or um, just need a little bit of touching up here and there. And, you know, actually those were how my brother and I used to play with them. And there's, 
you know, there's a real joy of looking back at them and going, yeah, I remember, I remember that guy. He, he did things on the battlefield and I got my victory or I, I got beaten. Um, and there's, there's other models which never got painted. I mean, we paid, played with a lot of uh, bare metal and a lot of plastic, bare plastic, um, as well as painting models. We, we did paint a lot, but not everything got painted. So I tried to focus on the stuff that didn't get painted, like those Blood Bowl minis, um, rather, than, rather than stripping, because... As I say, I think there's value in um, the, some of the poorly painted models that, that we that we did when we were younger, and they still hold memories the way that they were. Did you know that, just like every other podcast out there, this show has its very own Patreon? But this is no ordinary Patreon. It's actually the worst Patreon ever. That's right, there's no rewards, no extras, no bonus content, no early access, no shout-outs and no thank-yous. I'll just take the money and quietly get on with making the show. Not that there's any money to take because hardly anyone's pledging to the thing. Like I say, it's the worst Patreon ever. Find it at bedroombattlefields.com slash worst Patreon ever. That's all one word, worst Patreon ever. Now, back to the show. How much painting do you get done on average each week? It's, it varies massively, massively. Um, at the moment, I'm I'm pretty focused because I've given myself this big project for February, and so I'm modelling and painting most days. Uh, I'm not this evening because I'm chatting with you, um, and that's fine. But um, there'll be times where I'll do twenty minutes to two hours most days and there'll be times where I won't touch a brush for a week, two weeks. Um, I'm trying to be a little bit more consistent. Um, but as I say, at the moment, I've, I've got this um, project that I'm working on, which is, um, I give myself a deadline for. And so I'm, I'm like, no, I've got to do a little bit every day. So I, even if I miss the deadline, I'm still progressing. What is the uh, project? I don't mind if I miss it. So um, I'm building a, an undead army, or specifically a Hellenic uh, skeleton horde. Um, so uh, War Games Atlantic have released uh, some wonderful miniatures, um, skeleton miniatures, which have kind of Greek theming to them. And you can get some infantry ones, and they very recently released some cavalry and chariots as well. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I wanted to was interested in the old world, but, you know, wasn't too sure whether I wanted to play it or not. And um, then I came across, uh, I mentioned Gaslands earlier, the creator of Gaslands, uh, Mike Hutchinson, he's just releasing, um, or just about to release a game called Hobgoblin, which is a rank and flank game. And I was like, I want to play a rank and flank game, but I'm not sure about the old world. And then I came across Hobgoblin, which is miniature agnostic, you build your own units, um, it's very flexible, very rules-like, very fast-paced, all the things that I like in games. And um, it's like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to build an army for that. Um, what am I going to build? Well, I'm a bit of a lazy painter. I, you know, I, 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 I like to get things tabletop ready and then play. It, it frustrates a few of my friends who are very good painters because I'm like, they're like, you, you can get better. I'm like, I know I can, but I also want to play games and I want to move on to the next load of miniatures. So I'll paint to a standard that I'm happy with to put them on the table. Um, 
and I want to build a whole army. I've owned, you know, I've not built an army since I was a kid. Um, I want to do this all in one go, but I'm aware that this can be quite a stressful thing to do, and that a lot of people they build their army and then they uh, end up selling it because it just becomes too much, and you know, or they put it away and they never look at it again. I didn't want to do that. So like, what if I do a skeleton horde? I can spray them all white, paint the weapons and hats and other bits of armor and stuff, um, and put some wash over them, do a bit of dry brushing, and that's that's a model, right? So I can do quite a lot of those quite easily. Um, uh, so it seemed like a, a manageable way of building an entire army. So I'm trying to build what would equivalently be about a 2,000-point army if you were playing old world um in a month um so i've got as i say i've got these war games atlantic skeletons so i've got some hoplites uh, i've got some heroes with swords and shields i've got some bowmen um made some uh special characters out of those as well along with some other bits of from the bits box, you know, I, I like my skeletons anyway. So I had a few old bits from uh, other sprues that I had lying around. Um, skull set from Game, Games Workshop skull set, which is really, really useful both for basing, but also for this project. I had a whole load of beast skulls and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll put some of these beast skulls on for the special characters to signify and they'll make them sort of stand out a bit more. Um, uh, I know War Bases is a company that you you've mentioned in the past and I'd gone to them to get my bases and my movement trays and then I saw they did siege weapons as well and so I got a couple of ballistas they're like two quid each I'm like, yeah perfect that's that's my my uh my siege weaponry I got a couple of ballistas um and I'd I'd already bought a, some monsters uh which were from reaper um which were skeletons so I got a skeletal minotaur a manticore and a dragon um, and so I, I mounted one of the, the horsemen, mounted one of the horsemen onto the back of the dragon. So he's now a dragon rider, a skeletal dragon, which is pretty cool. I'm pretty happy with that model. Um, and then bought a, um, uh, a skeletal cyclops and, um, some things like that. So I've got monsters, I've got infantry, I've got cavalry, I've got chariots, uh, I've got artillery. So I feel like I've got a really nicely balanced army, um, and the plan was to try and do, as I say, to do all this in, in a month, if possible. I want to have fun with it, so I'm, I'm not punishing myself, but I do constantly want to keep moving forwards. Um, so I am conscious that I need to do things every day for it, or every other day. Um, I don't want to go more than one day off at a time um, without at least sitting down and, and doing a little bit, because those little bits of progression build up over time. Um so even if I don't quite do it all, I'm about halfway through the month now, um, and everything's built and primed, I've started painting. But even if I don't get everything done, it's not the end of the world. It'll be mostly there because I've been doing stuff all the time, um, and that'll just be finishing things off. So um, is that part of a, is that part of a like official paint challenge anywhere, or is it just a personal no, objective? It's, it's it's a personal objective. Um, so I've been I've been thinking probably for about six or seven months I want to build an army, um, 
and I thought about doing various things and, and the old world was something that interested me because actually the game that I nearly picked up and then didn't was Warhammer Fantasy, Warhammer Fantasy Armies. Um, it, I, I have a handful, I've got some Breton archers and some Grail Knights because I was going to build a Breton army. I like the idea of, you know, all the King Arthur stuff. Um, and then I kind of fell away from, from tabletop game. So it was a game that I was interested in. And um, I just, yeah, I just get frustrated with uh, some of the philosophy and approach it. Games Workshop itself, I think it's not supportive of its hobby. don't think it's supportive of the people involved in the hobby. Um, some of the stories you hear, at least anyway. Um, and so I was like, well, there's, there's got to be other ways to do this. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I could proxy this across probably to a Tomb King's army fairly easily. So if I did actually really want to decide, you know, actually I'll dip my toe in with a couple of mates, um, I could proxy things over. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, as I say, it, it was a, a challenge I thought would be interesting to try and do. Um, I'm only going to do it once. I think building an army in a month is, is too much. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, I've it's, given it's myself fun. a year, so... <laughs> That's a much more sensible way of doing it. It's a much healthier way of doing it. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't have kids, so, um, you know, I, at least I have spare time. Like, if you've got kids as well, I mean, you, you've got your little girl um, who, uh, you know, she's got to take priority over even even your armies. I mean, she has to. Does she? Does she? <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll get her to play, involved soon. I about to say, if you want her to play games with you, yeah, she does. <laughs> I, know you, I know you've got her painting, which um, her painting looks good, man. Better than mine. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say anything, but have you got uh, you got any games on the horizon? Anything booked and lined up? Uh, so yeah, as I said, as I said I've got um, some Space Widows into this week. Um, introducing another person into the game. Um, and actually next Monday, I am meeting up with uh, William. So William, um, who's really really lovely guy, uh, it turns out that he lives um, about 25 minutes down the road from me. In fact, he lives two minutes from one of the shops that I work in uh, occasionally. So um, we met for a beer uh, not that long ago and had a, had a good old chatter about gaming um, and uh, he's promised to introduce me to I think he plays a lot of 10 mil 15 mil stuff which is not a, a size that I've, I've played you know I've been strictly 28 mil um, and some historical as well which again is not something I've really really dipped my toe into um, a little bit of Napoleonics but fantasy Napoleonics with Silver Bayonet so it's not really proper historicals. Um, so yeah, I'll be really interested to play that and, and have a new gaming experience. It's, it's what it's all about, right? It's like trying new things, new experiences. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. If you enjoy the show, then please do share it with someone else you think might enjoy it too. And be sure to check out our Discord community of like-minded hobbyists, which you could find at bedroombattlefields.com 
forward slash discord. It'd be great to see you in there.